welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This podcast series provides a space for some fabulous people to share their stories and find a voice within our ever-changing world. It is a space that simply encourages sparky conversations, because there is most definitely always something to be learned from every interesting conversation, however unscripted. At its heart, this podcast is built on the belief that each of us experiences the world in our own unique way, meaning that we all have our own story to share. The Coffee and Conversation podcast aims to uncover a range of perhaps previously unheard stories in an informal, engaging way, so that we can all connect, explore, grow and learn from the great people behind these tales. Happy listening! On today's episode of the Coffee and Conversation podcast, I'm joined by Nigel Bardi, a man who has experienced frostbite in Alaska, appendicitis in Greenland, near drowning in Borneo, rope failure in the Kumbu, and was reported missing in Annapurna. He then ponders, would you go climbing with this man? Some people call him brave, some people call him mad, and to be fair, facing the thin air at high altitude takes a little bit of both, but for Nigel there is nothing quite like being on a high mountain at altitude. Losing limbs to severe frostbite would put off all but the few, but to Nigel it was the springboard to climb, achieve and conquer. Over the past 30 years he has climbed across the world, set mountaineering records and spoken to schools and businesses across Europe. He continues on life's adventure, forcing new boundaries and new experiences every day of his life. In Nigel's own words, I don't want to die in an unused body. So welcome to this edition of the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Um, today my guest, um, as you know, is Nigel Vardy, and uh, we've actually never met um, in person. Um, so this is a, a virtual conversation, which we're all getting very used to these days. Um, but uh, so yeah, so a virtual conversation. So welcome, Nigel, and uh, greetings from you in your part of the world. Thank you, Jane. And, and just w- give us an insight to start with in, in terms of where you are and uh, and geographically and, and where you where, where we're talking to you from uh, well I'm in Belper in Derbyshire uh, it's a very lovely sunny day out there and I'm born and bred of this town I've been here 51 years and it, it's it's part of me I suppose really my parents grew up here I've grown up here and it, it's part of history but I love it I've got the Peak District on my doorstep and I can cycle walk and indeed I have skied out of my front door Oh, brilliant! Well, that day, so so immediately at the start of the conversation, we have something in common because uh, I'm sitting from in my 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 house as ever in uh, Bonnie Strathire up in Scotland, and it is a beautiful day, so the sun is out. But we too have skied from our doorstep, um, and indeed, a couple of years ago, there was enough snow that I um I actually created our own piste map of our garden. Uh, <laughs> so we had a, a little black run and a little uh, a little green run. And uh, yeah, a video of us uh, us skiing in the garden, which is good fun. So there you go, immediately a connection, um, which we didn't expect or didn't know about. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm sat as ever drinking a cup of coffee, um, and uh, I can see Nigel drinking what looks like squash. I think I'm, I'm on cranberry at the minute. I I'm still working uh, full time in the electricity industry, and we're in a control room, which is a bit like a, a windowless, airless bunker at the moment. So I'm drinking far too much coffee in there. So I'm trying to have a bit of a detox for the next few days. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that sounds uh, sounds incredibly healthy. Um, we're not actually going to talk too much, I don't think, about electricity though today. Although you have been, um, it has been. Um, we've we've had a quick chat previously to recording this, and uh, I think one of the things that has struck me immediately is um, how much stuff we take for granted in life, and electricity is definitely one of those things. And uh, were it not for electricity, we wouldn't be talking. I wouldn't be drinking my cup of coffee. 
um, you know, my lights wouldn't work, all those sorts of things. So it's something that we kind of just assume is there um, and don't notice it until it's not there. Um, I think that would probably be fair to a fair summary of uh, some of the challenges that are facing you right now. Absolutely, yes. It, it's the age-old thing of when I turn the tap on or I turn the light switch on, if it works, then everything's fine. It's the moment that, ah, there's nothing there anymore. And then that's when the panic starts and that's yeah. when we start to do our job. Absolutely. So so as ever, we're going to kick off the um, the, the podcast with uh, a quote. Um, and Nigel, I think you've brought maybe one or a couple of, of things that uh, you want to share with us that we'll, uh, we'll then explore um, a little bit in terms of why you've brought Well, them. I mean, I've got a couple and, and they're inspired by my family, really. My father served in the military police in his younger age. Um, and their, their motto in English anyway is, by example, shall we lead? Exemplo ducemas. And that's something I've done all my life. I have led by example or I've chosen to do so, which is an exhausting pastime, I assure you. But for me, it's the only way to live. And also an inspiration from a grandfather as well, who, who uh, another military connection really served in the Berber army in the Second World War, the Forgotten 14th Army. And their motto was, God helps those that help themselves. Mm. And I think something particularly in life, but also over the last few weeks of lockdown, um, it's all very easy to sit in sympathy and wallow in, you know, I can't cope and it's terrible. Well, you can do that, but there's only one person going to get you out of it, and that's you. Mm. And you have to help yourself to do that. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, one of the things that uh, I've, I've read some of your your blogs and your your um, work that, um, you know, I've, I've looked into before we've spoken, um, and it resonates you know a lot of your life has been spent in the outdoors as well and there's something so it almost feels like there's that sort of connection there in terms of some places that I think you've been in the world you know there is only you to to get out so on a daily basis um, whether you're living your life at your home um, and it's work and it's all those sorts of things or actually whether you're in an extreme environment you know where actually maybe it heightens that even more in terms of actually you know if you get get yourself into something actually it's you that you know you need to rely on to be able to to move forward in a way Absolutely. And, and even, as you say, even more at the moment, we, we need to be, self-sufficiency is something we've given up because we've been le led by the C word, the word convenience. Mm -hmm. And convenience is great when it's there, a bit like working with the electricity. And when it's not, well, you'd better learn how to work without it very, very quickly. Yeah, and what, what are the sort of things, um, I know when we, we talk quickly before this um you talked about working with young people and and you know how does some of those mottos and those those phrases you know how will we how would i see them come to life in some of the things that you do um either for yourself or work with other people a majority of it is leading by example if you're working in the outdoors with a group then you have to take the lead and you have to be the example to everybody else who may not have done what you're doing before. You're perhaps taking a group out on a walk or a cycle or a climb or whatever. They may be, um, you know, it's new to them. They've never done it. They're all a bit scared or whatever. And so you have to take the lead and you have to show the confidence and the leadership and the drive and the initiative. Now, as I said, that can be exhausting because what happens is if you do that, everybody comes to you for answers. And that, that is a great thing in the fact that they respect you for it, but also what we're trying to encourage into a lot of people is the ability to do it themselves mm. and to lead themselves and to learn themselves and go into the God helps those that help themselves. You know, we're stuck on a climb as I've been before in the Himalayas or wherever, and, and it's hitting the fan and everything's desperate and it's right. Well, nobody else is getting us out of this. Mm. So 
we better knuckle down and deal with it. Definitely. And what what is it, you know, are you able to say what it is about the outdoors and those sorts of environments that almost give that, um, you know, give that opportunity for people to learn in a sort of, you know, sometimes it is a risky environment. And obviously, you know, in outdoor education and things like that, you're trying to minimise some of those risks. Um, but, you know, what is it about that environment that, that, you know, you feel enables you to really start to sort of dig deep and, and look after yourself and lead by that example? I think it's the reality of it. I, I grew up in, in farming and uh, the outdoors and, and reality hits you. Those cows will not milk themselves. Those pigs will not feed themselves. That machine will not start itself. I mean, we know now there's a much more automated world. I'm going back into the 1970s. <laughs> and so it was a reality of when we mean get up, or say get up at half past three, we mean it for a reason. We're not being funny. We have a job to do. And the outdoors always has jobs to do. It's the reality of the world that hurts. And you know, we talk about risk. I think we should actually introduce a heck of a lot more into it. I really, really do. My secondary school in the very early 80s, we actually did outdoor pursuits as part of the curriculum. It was actually in the school day. And teachers would take you potholing and caving and would also go sailing, rock climbing, not in a way of scaring people. It was to push the boundaries that little bit more and learn. And it was enjoyable most of the time, you know, being thrown in a reservoir in the middle of November is not fun. Um, but, but, you know, we, we did it and, it and it opened your eyes that little bit more. You worked with people that you may not have worked with before because in a school you'll always sit with your mates. So what they'd say is, right, there's three of you in that dinghy, you, you and you, get in there and work it as a team. And we seem to have lost a lot of the um, initiative, I think. We, we seem to, you know, tiptoe around risk assessments. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not here to hurt anybody. I'm not here to um, purposely send anybody home with broken bones and anything else. But risk is how you learn. Mm. And occasionally you need to scare yourself and you'll learn. Hopefully you'll take that learning on board. and. You know, as I say, we used to go sailing on a local reservoir all year. And if the boat tipped, you went in. There was no such thing as an immersion suit in the 80s. You had a pair of jeans, some trainers and a jumper on. At least you did have a life jacket. And when the, the woodwork teacher, as it was, came past in the boat to see if you were all right, you couldn't talk because you were hyperventilating. It was that cold. But nobody died. Nobody got hurt. You all got warmed up again and got back. But it taught you a heck of a lesson a heck of a lesson in life mm. and it was real it's not virtual it's not something that you can do on a screen you've got to face it head on mm. and that's what I think we ought to do a heck of a lot more of and what was it that then um you know what captured your imagination as a, as a youngster in terms of the outdoors and and gave you that sort of motivation that this is something that you wanted to experience and and push further I think that was a start and also my family were great hill walkers and, and from a very, very early age um, we used to go, I've got some incredibly embarrassing photographs of me of about eight with little <laughs> flowery hats on and boots yeah. and a Spider-Man t-shirt I think and, and we used to go and just walk in the Peak District. We never went any further, we'd go on seaside holidays and walk the coastal cliffs but it was a uh, come on get out, we hadn't got a lot of money when I was younger and walking was free. Mm. 
So we used to go and walk. And, and as I got older and then got my own driving license, I used to take myself off and walk further and further. And I was up to 40 miles a day at one point. Um, I then met some friends at work who said, you know, we do a bit of winter mountaineering in Scotland. Are you fixed? And off I went. And it just went from there. And it's just a love of fresh air, open skies. I like it colder than warmer, really. Uh, but plenty of fresh air, open skies, you know, plenty of places to reflect and think and switch the world out and deal with realities of how am I going to get up this slope? How am I going to get this abseil off? If the weather closes in, what are we going to do? The real things in life, not have I downloaded this app and updated it yet. Yeah. yeah. And what's your, what's your, um, you know, what's your favourite kind of climbing condition or, um, you know, route or, you know, if, if I had to, if you had to pick one adventure or something that you'd been on that, you know, was your favourite moment, you know, would you be able to do that? Probably not. No. Um, what I would say is many, many years ago, in a, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, and I had fingers and toes, the Traverse of Leothaki in winter up in Torridon. Yeah. And it was a bitter winter's day and it was a bit breezy and a bit blizzardy, but it's such a beautiful alpine ridge in full winter conditions. It was flat out all day. There were three of us and we loved it. And we could climb true alpine style. We could lap the rope, we could work together as a team and come off the end knowing we have had a fantastic day. Yeah. And and that stands out. You know, I've done big multi-week expedition work before and many, many other things. But that traversal Leith Act's quite special. It is. And I, I can I, I I can picture the ridge in my head. We've done um done the uh the Monroe's up there and it is it's mm-hmm. the most I we've we've only done it in um sort of spring conditions, so no snow, but it's the most it is a it's a proper ridge. It's a knife edge ridge in places with you know amazing rock features and it is a yeah, I can yeah, I can definitely um, um yeah agree with with a with a a choice of a, a, winter, a, a winter ridge in Scotland is the thing with a day like Leothak is you've got to commit to it. Yeah. And that's something else I think in life that a lot of people don't want to commit to something because they don't want to fail yeah. and they don't want to take criticism. Well get a life because life is failure. You're gonna get things wrong, we all do it. Mm-hmm. Get over yourself, yeah. learn move on and actually just i'm just thinking out loud a little bit here but there is something interesting about that idea of committing because there are no escape routes on ridges like leothat there are no escape routes and you know similarly i'm thinking about the anarchy in glencoe and places like that once you're on it your you are your ways are forward or back there's no down off unless you reach those points so it is something um and so you're weighing up those risks but also you know, you know that you're reliant firstly on yourself, but also if you're climbing with others, there's a, a real team ethic there in terms of, you know, you trust your climbing partners actually literally with your life and, in, in, you know, that your life is in oh, their yeah. hands on a lot of occasions. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, that's quite a nice, I quite like that, that, um, that little message in there around climbing and, and, you know, it's beyond the sort of giving it a go and, and being prepared to give it a go. Actually it's, it's once you're on it, it's committing to it and taking it forward. Yeah. So yeah, Ooh, my brain's going off in lots of different directions now. <laughs> so what are the sorts of things, you know, in terms of your um, your adventuring, which doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop at Scotland, your adventures have taken you um, all around the world. You know, what are the, some of the things that you have you have learned from your experiences and, you know, have, have, have then 
you've brought back into sort of you know your um you know your leading by example and you know what are the things that you've then been able to bring back and share with others in terms of um you know learning or development or or whatever it might be certainly knowing when to say no is a huge one i've been on a number of six six and a half seven thousand meter peaks in the past where it just hasn't been my day and you've committed a lot of time and effort, money, holidays, family organisations, you know, immense amounts of organisation. And on the summit day, it just doesn't happen. And I've had that, I've, I've nearly had frostbite twice in one foot. I've been in positions where we've been hanging on pretty precarious bits of rock. And you just have to have the, you know, the standing to say, not today, people, it's time to go home and have no regrets because you can beat yourself up the rest of your life. It will achieve nothing. You can come home and say, we gave it everything we'd got, we did what we could, but in the end, it just wasn't our day. Mm-hmm. And, and that happens in so many things in life. We can do projects at work. We can, I'm sure with COVID, I have a number of friends who have invested years into projects that were launching from films to businesses were all set to launch when COVID hit and the whole lot's been delayed, not scrapped, but all of that time and effort has just gone bump. And it kicks the feet from under you. But do you know what? You dust yourself down, you get up and you do it again. And and that's something I've tried to teach into people. You know, failure is part of life. Um, You've just got to get used to it. Nobody will succeed at everything. Mm. also something is positive attitude and I can particularly remember when I climbed the Hornley Ridge on the Matterhorn I was just having a bad day in my head I don't know why I should have been full of the joys of spring and I just had to give myself a damn good talking to and say Nigel physically you're fine just get your backside up this thing and stop moaning and I did now I've carry a lot more injuries than I used to so I was a bit slow getting up and even slower getting down but I did it but it was you know sometimes you do need to give yourself a good old-fashioned kick up the arse mm. and again we can all um, moan about things we can all complain about how hard our life is and people I sometimes think overshare this on social media about what terrible a time they're having. And I'm not trying to be impolite to anybody, but a lot of people just don't care because they've got enough on in their lives. That doesn't mean the other issue with social networking is everybody's bouncy and happy because I'm sure they're not. Mm. We have to face reality and we have to take it to the face value of it is real. So deal with it, learn Mm. from it, move on. And I, yeah, I think actually just, you know, just listening to you talk around that, you know, it's, it's, it's actually making real courageous decisions sometimes to say no, or to, you know, yeah. the, the bravest, hardest decision is that when you are, you know, within our, you know, perhaps you're within a hundred meters of a summit and you can see that and you can almost feel like you can touch it. Um, but the, the brave decision is to say, actually, no, you know, we could, we could go for it. But actually, it's far too dangerous. And that's when those risk decisions are really, you know, significant because actually the brave decision, the courageous decision, arguably the right decision is to say, no, the mountain will be here another day. We need to retreat and move back. And it is not failure. Um, but almost making that in a, 
you know, then linking that positive attitude side into it. It's making the positive decisions and kind of, right, we have a choice here. What is the best choice that looks after me and the people I love and the group that I'm with? Actually, the right decision right now is to is to leave but that's a really hard you know it is I've never you know I haven't climbed any massive peaks you know Munro Scotland Scotland Munro's are, the, are my are my bag um but I've you know I've been within 50 meters of a summit and turned back because it's too windy um and it's so, you know it's so frustrating um so I can't even begin to imagine what that's like having done epic day if you've done epic days on a on a 7,000 meter peak um but yeah it is that and I suppose it's switching that idea of it's not failure it's making the right choice at that point in time and taking it away and and living you, you talked about being comfortable with that and living with it and I think that's yeah. perhaps quite a hard thing for, for a lot of us um, when we're in those positions is to kind of accept that choice I think if if anybody reads because I read a lot of mountaineering literature things like Scott's diaries you know one of Scott's great phrases was it's the work that counts not the praise that follows Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a world now where we seek praise. You know, we, we do something, we have to put it on Instagram, we have to get millions of likes, otherwise obviously nobody loves us anymore. And the world, again, is a different place. Mm-hmm. And I've said this to so many people, I would rather have five people talk to me than five million followers on Instagram who don't give a monkey's who I am. Mm-hmm. Because one thing COVID has taught us is it's all about interaction. We are a, a living human organism. And the number of people I've seen uh, posting on, on the internet or I've talked to saying, I'm just desperate for a hug. Yeah. 50 million likes won't give me that. No. But it is the work that counts in my world. It's not the praise that follows. And, and when we do come back after not summiting, uh, what people have got to remember is, you're right, we have taken a decision and we've taken it for a reason. Now, if we take decisions, we have to be able to accept criticism. Some of it won't be valid, some will, but we have to be able to accept it. That's what management and families are all about. We take a choice, we have to live with it. If we got it wrong, take the criticism and learn, move on, don't do it again. Uh, And also, you know, as I say, it's a positive attitude. We didn't sum it because, but what did we achieve? And in so many things at life, you know, particularly in mountaineering, it's a huge one for this, we all look at that 10 minutes on the summit, not the six weeks getting there. And life is a journey. Yeah. It's not about 30 seconds of look how great I am. You know, okay, perhaps if you're a 100-meter athlete, that's slightly different. <laughs> but it's very, very easy to, cons- to confuse persona with a loud voice. And lots of people think that they're so suave and wonderful and all the rest of it because they shout a lot. And to me, they're the most abhorrent people in the world. I'd rather have people that speak with their hearts and their souls than with their volume. Yeah. And, you know, I think what I, what I hear when you're talking around that is this idea as well as, as valuing our own achievements and something around self, you know, self-value and, and being comfortable with almost who we are and saying that this is what I have achieved um, regardless of whether it's what you set out to achieve or not, it's it's looking and, and being able to be really happy with that and kind of going, okay, I've done this because it's what I wanted to do and I've really valued that journey, that experience, that climb, rather than then it's only valid if other people tell me it's valid. It's kind of that ownership and, you know, being comfortable with, with what you've achieved. I think the thing is, Jane, as well, that why are we doing what we're doing? 
you know, we spoke briefly before we started about bucket lists. I don't do bucket lists. I do things because I want to do them, not because somebody else thinks it'll be impressive or somebody else tells me to. I mean, if somebody else wants to pay for it, lovely. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, why, why would I go and climb a mountain, or as I did last year, a mountain bike across South Africa or whatever it happens to be? The reason I do it is because I want to. Mm. And I have some very good friends across this world. I'm very, very lucky in that respect. All say, Nigel, this event's on. What do you think? And I think, oh, do you know, that sounds really interesting. Let's have a go. And I do it with my friends. And I'm probably hopeless. But we have a thoroughly good time. And we do it because of friendship, of love, of care, of the, the bonds of humanity. I don't do it so that I can come back and say, well, hey, look at me, I've climbed this and I'm great and stick it in my link, my LinkedIn title mm-hmm. over. I mean, I see this with Everest summits all the time on LinkedIn. Look at me, I've climbed Everest. Wow, you've not impressed me. You've not impressed me at all. Somebody who actually has done something in their life that's positive and shared it with their family or community. And also, you know, we do things for us because... I'm in this body and this is mine and this is what my body does and this is what my mind does. Mm. And I'm not trying to be anybody else. Why would I? Mm. When I work in primary schools particularly, I say to a lot of youngsters who look up and you talk to them and say, what do you want to do with your life? And they say, I want to be a celebrity. (laughs) Right. Well, you've had it then straight away. Yeah. Because I'm never going to be the world's best mountaineer. I'm never going to be the world's best racing driver, artist, sculptor. But I can be the best me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's it. If I can be the best me, that will do me just nicely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a there's something really important in there. Um and it kind of feels like there's you know, we've in a really short conversation, we've covered a huge amount of I don't know, theories philosophies life philosophies almost it feels right from starting with the quote around leading from example and um you know experiences and risk and um uh motivations and those sorts of things and one thing that you know that i picked up on a couple of times is you talked about leading by example being exhausting um mm-hmm. and you know constantly having to to be that person who leads you know how how do you um give yourself that time um to recharge your batteries and you know and, and how do you know when it's the time that you need to kind of go and and you know actually I just need to to look after me right now um and that doesn't mean to say you're stopping being that leader it just means you're you're recognizing that you need to recharge your own batteries in order to be able to be that person for other people it's a difficult one it's one of the things I have struggled with in life to be honest um I'm I'm somebody who gives his time and effort and energy freely and then doesn't do particularly well at charging himself back up. I always, however, um, spend time in the woodlands I grew up in as a child and I'll go and sit in the bluebells in the summer. Uh, I'll walk the fields. And having lost my father last year, he grew up in those woodlands as well. So I'll go and have a good old chat with my dad, really. And, and just burn some energy off emotionally, get rid of some stuff, um, spend some time listening to nature, the woodpeckers, uh, watching the hares running around in the fields. And I find that emotionally astounding. And it's the fastest charge rate of anything. You know, we are a natural being. And I think we, 
we, we create these great phrases. Well, they're not great. They're absolute rubbish. Greenwashing. What on earth are you talking about? Not heard that. I've not heard sit. that before. Oh, let's go and sit in the trees and uh, listen to the birds for 30 minutes on a business course and now we recharge. What an absolute load of rubbish. And people pay good money for this. If you're going to be with nature, be with nature. You know, I've watched hares boxing down the fields of Lincolnshire. I've seen, I've actually had animals walk over me. I've been that quiet before. I've listened to woodpeckers in the tree above my head as I've laid on the floor staring up at them. And you have got to remember that you are organic. You are not some cyborg, app-induced, created, virtual world, PlayStation, whatever. You are an organic being. Mm-hmm. And I've, because I work shifts a lot, and, and I've sort of sat down and thought about my life, when I look at things on social networking and people say, it's Thursday, it's nearly the weekend, hooray! Do you think a single bird on this planet knows what a weekend is? Do you think a single worm in the ground cares what the weekend is? All they care about is living, reproducing, and all they see are the seasons, the sunrises, and the sunsets. They migrate with the season, they wake up in the morning, and they go to bed at night. And we have induced a world upon ourselves which is frankly unnatural, but we all live in it. It's convenient, but we accept it. When what we should remember is life can be really hard, but it can be hard for a reason. The weather can be foul, and it's there for a reason. And the sunlight and the dark are there for a reason. And at half past five in the morning, when you sat on that commuter train complaining about your job, don't come moaning to me, because you have chosen that reason. We have to remember what we are. And that's what recharges me, is being in those. uh, It could be the foulest weather in the world. You know, I've walked over the Cairngorm Plateau in zero visibility in a 50-mile-an-hour crosswind and a blizzard and probably been at my most alive because I absolutely love it. Yeah. I can, I can empathise with that. There's something there's something very um, life-affirming so, about so wildness. It's so alive about it. Yeah. It's so alive and natural and out of your control. And control is another huge subject. We choose to control ourselves to a point that is beyond reality. Yet we accept it. Yeah. So I recharge by being out of control, but also just letting go, lying in the woods, letting nature do its bit for a bit. I'll very often doze off. <laughs> and, and and just recharge. Yeah. Yes, I've still got a professional job. I have to do that bit. When it's over, I leave. But I know how to segregate the two. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I can. Uh, yeah. Nature and listening to bird song was definitely something very. Um, I, I hesitate to use the word therapeutic, but just sitting and listening to birds and we've got we seem to have got so many cuckoos around by us at the moment. You sit in the garden and um, you, all you can hear is cuckoos calling to each other, which is, yeah, which is, yeah, it, it gives you a sense of what season it is because they're they're there. Um, so I'm just maybe just drawing things together. And again, like you've just mentioned, we've covered so many things and we could we could have a whole now discussion on control and decision making and all sorts of things. But, you know, 
what are your maybe some of your reflections that you know for people listening to this um you'd perhaps like to leave them with or you know some of the things that maybe tie some of the things that you've talked about together in terms of the leading by example and helping those who help themselves and the mountains and the outdoors you know what would you like to how would you like to summarize or, or leave people with a few reflections I think, obviously, we've talked about quite a lot there. I think we, we, we all have wonderful ideas in our life and we talk about them a lot. And one thing I've looked back on is the fact that very few people do them. And it's a bit like a confusing persona with a loud voice. Actually, just go and do something. Uh, you'll, you'll very often find the most interesting people at a party are the quietest ones because they don't feel the need to have to tell everybody how good they think they are because you have to know how good you are and go and do something and prove to yourself how good or wonderful or relaxing or fantastic it was. Don't do things for other people's entertainment in that respect of, you know, I, I think I need to go and do the Inca trail because everybody else has done it. If you're going to go and do the Inca trail, do it for you. Mm. Don't spend your life trying to please everybody else. That really is exhausting. And live your life in the best, peaceful, happiest that you can. Don't expect everything on your doorstep all the time. Things will go wrong. Well, that's just the way the world is. And if you can accept that and work with it, then you're going to be a much, much happier and better person within yourself. And just be the best person you can be. None of us or very few of us are ever going to excel in the world at something, but we can be the best mum or dad or brother or sister that we can be, the best, you know, um, friend, support. And that, that is something I will happily go to my grave with, knowing that I helped people in the best way that I could. And, you know, I, I'm not lying there in the last few hours regretting the fact that, well, I didn't summit some great mountain or whatever. Because that, that to me doesn't mean the same. It's a journey. Remember that. And like any journey, if you run too fast, you'll get to the other end too quick. Take your time and enjoy it. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us, Nigel. And uh, yeah, I think that, that message of be you and be happy being you, that's what uh, I'm going to take away from, from this conversation. Um, so thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to the Copying Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. My thanks again to my guest, Nigel Vardy, and also to you for listening. If you'd like to discover more about Nigel's world, his reflections and adventures, you can follow him on Twitter at, at Nigel Vardy. Until the next time, take care. <laughs>